I want to welcome everyone this morning to our uh, our Sunday morning service. Uh, we're thankful that you joined us, and uh, I just uh, pray that all of you are doing well, that all of you are managing through these times that uh, we're right in the middle of. Uh, let me assure you that there are a lot of people praying for you, including myself, and I'm just believing the Lord to uh, take us all through this. And as we exit this, and it will happen, that there will be a, a time that's after this virus and we're all back together. I believe all of us are going to come out better than we went in. And uh, that's what the Word of God says, that He can make all things work together for our good to those who love Him or called according to His purpose. And uh, I'm just believing God for all of us to do better uh, in these coming days and weeks uh, uh, as He is blessing us upon us and His love is surrounding us. And it's it's good. It's good to be His. Amen. Uh, let me just remind you of a couple of things uh, as uh, we move through uh, our uh, streaming our streaming services. Uh, invite somebody to be a part of it. Uh, you can call them, send them a text, uh, send them an invitation somehow that they could tune in on Sunday mornings as well. Uh, we're thankful for all of you that have been watching, and we're thankful for all of you that have been inviting people to watch. Uh, uh, it's a it's a good thing. Amen. Um, let me just uh, encourage you by letting you know that uh, the giving at Trinity Assembly, uh, our church has just amazed me at how faithful you have given uh, in this time. And we're just thankful that we're able to send off our missionary checks and, and to pay the bills that we need to pay. And uh, uh, we've uh, done good in our food ministry. Uh, benevolence is, uh, uh, we've got a, a good fund in our benevolence, and we're thankful for that. Uh, we just encourage you to continue to give and uh, be a blessing to those uh, that need help. Uh, let's take a few moments and uh, worship the Lord this morning. We're thankful for our tech team, our musicians, our singers. Uh, thank you for the dedication that they have to this ministry. God bless you. Let's take a few minutes and worship. Amen. Created from dust You came and you lived among us You took on our frame You walked in our pain And now you're taking us higher You stepped into time You laid down your life to save us You took all our shame On the cross it was laid And now you're taking us higher We go from glory to glory to glory We'll never be the same We'll never be the same We go from glory to Glory to glory, we're forever changed, forever changed. You call me your friend, brought into your endless kingdom by the blood of. Taking a side 
Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Good to have our worship this morning. It's uh, good to be in His presence. Amen. Um, open your Bibles, if you would, to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be reading a lot of Scripture this morning, so I pray you have your Bible open or your laptop open so that you can follow along. 
Uh, God is good, and He speaks to us through His Scripture, and we're just uh, believing God this morning to indeed drop a word in our hearts that's good for us and will prosper us, prosper our families. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful, Lord, for the blessing that you are to us, Lord, that your hand is in the midst of keeping our lives during this time. But Father, as we come to you this morning, we believe, Father, for the word of God to come alive inside of us. So I pray for the anointing. I pray, Father, that it would be in our lives, Father, to open us up to receive this message. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. In the New Testament, one of the things that you're going to see as you read through it is there's this term called in Christ, in Christ. It's mentioned 75 times in the New Testament, and it's remarkable all that you and I have being in Christ. This result of of giving our lives to Jesus, how many ever years ago that you gave your life to Jesus, you became born again, that John chapter 3 experience, all of the things that comes to us by ways of being in Christ is amazing. All of it's because you and I were born again. So many Christians, I believe, don't even realize how much they have by being in Christ. Others may not even care how much they have, but still others fail to hold on to what Jesus has given them, their possession, their their birthright, if you would. This message this morning is about you and I being able to realize what's ours in Christ. What is, what's ours? What, is, what are all those promises in his word about? What is ours in Christ? And then determining in our hearts that we're going to hang on to it, that we're going to contend for whatever it is that Christ has put in our hands. We're going to hold on to it with all of our might. So that brings me this morning to Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. The Bible here in Romans 8 says that we're children, that we are children of the Most High God, sons and daughters of God. But as being sons and daughters of God, one of the amazing things is that we become heirs of God. It says here that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And and as heirs, we possess those things that he has bequeathed to us. In other words, um, an, an heir owns or an heir possesses what does belong to him. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In John chapter 10, verse 10, this is what Jesus tells us. He says, the thief, or Satan, Beelzebub, Diablo, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So here Jesus is telling us about the thief and what it is that is his job description. The Bible says that he has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. So listen to me carefully. He wants to steal what is yours. What Jesus Christ has placed in your hands through your birthright, through you being born again, Satan works overtime. He works 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year to take away what belongs to you. We 
are supposed to hold on to what is ours in Jesus Christ and not allow the enemy to take it under any circumstances. In Jude, verse number three, it says, Dear friends, I have dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have, I have to write insisting, begging that you fight with everything you have in you for the faith that is entrusted us as a gift to guard and cherish. So here it admonishes us. It tells us that we need to that we need to fight with everything that we have to hang on to this gift of faith that's been given to us. The title of my message this morning is not for sale. I think it should be a little bit longer than that, but this is what I will tell you. We have to make up our minds that we're not going to sell it. We're not going to trade it. We're not going to compromise it. What won't we sell? What won't we trade? What won't we compromise? As I said a couple of minutes ago, our birthright, our inheritance. If we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ, then as an heir, we have things that belong to us from that person who is, is giving us our inheritance. So our birthright is what we're going to hold on to. Our birthright is what we're not going to sell. We're not going to compromise. We're not going to trade it. So what is a birthright? Birthright is defined as this by Merriam-Webster. It says the right, the privilege, or possession to which a person is entitled to by birth. So these things by birth, the supernatural birth, this John chapter 3 birth, that is our inheritance. That's our privileges. That's our possessions. Inheritance usually is viewed as property, money, estates, a lineage, and sometimes even fame. I probably, whenever my mom passes away, I might be the recipient of her cats. She's got a lot of cats. And so one of the things that's probably going to be written into her will is that she's given her son in North Carolina all of her cats. I don't know exactly how to feel about that. Nevertheless, whenever we learn of our inheritance that's coming from a, a, a rich aunt that might have passed away, that's passing something down to us, it can be viewed as this possession. It can be viewed as all different kinds of material things. But we can also inherit things from people that maybe not so good. We can inherit shame or humiliation, disgrace, because of something that's happened in our family previously. I can know that uh, I grew up with a young man that his dad was in prison, and uh, uh, and he literally inherited that shame. His dad had uh, committed a really terrible crime, and uh, it was not good, that stigma that was attached to him. He inherited that from his, from his father. Again, an heir owns, an heir owns or possesses that that belongs to him. And we are heirs of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So this is very, very, very important that we realize what I'm fixing to say. None of what is received in our inheritance is earned by the heir. Nothing that we receive is earned by us. Achievements of our ancestors are passed down to us as heirs. Sometimes these possessions, these things are passed down to wasteful individuals or worthless individuals that oftentimes squander whatever it is they get. 
Uh, I grew up with a family who their father had inherited a huge ranch and lots of cash. And by the time I met him, just several years after he had uh, inherited all this, he had lost it all. There's no work. It's just simply a gift from one generation, one family member to another generation of that same family. So you kind of ask, well, if I, I, I didn't earn it, I didn't work for it, how can this be right? Because the one who achieved it, the one who attained all of what they are passing down, they are genetically connected to the heir that gets it. Part of the parent survives in the child. The life of one is passed on, and they are the forerunner of the other. The child would have no life without the genes of the parent. So the heir gets to enjoy the fruits of the earlier life that it's literally replacing. Jesus came before us, and Jesus has done all of the work, and we get the benefit of his work. And let me say this, we benefit greatly by the work that Jesus did. So we, we realize the birthright. So now, what about our spiritual birthright? Because I've talked a little bit about our our. our our physical, our natural birthright to our parents here on this earth, but what about our birthright as it comes to the kingdom of God? Nowhere is, is, is all this more true, this birthright thing, than in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is, is only for those who are born into it. Now know this, we have to be born again to be a, a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, the kingdom is only for those that are born again. You must be born again. The fruits of Christ, who is our forerunner, our ancestor, our predecessor, they are accrued to us. In other words, they're stacked up waiting for us to use them. His riches, his title, his status, his possessions, his privileges, and the list goes on. They're all ours. One day, the Bible says that we will actually share in his glory. The glory that has been bequeathed to Jesus, he's going to bestow that on us. And you ask yourself, how is all of this possible? Well, it's because his life is on the inside of us. So he is really only inheriting what is his own. Since he is risen and he lives inside of us, we get to share with Jesus Christ. Now, the writer of Hebrews gives us an example and the danger of relinquishing one's inheritance because you can give your inheritance away. You can sell your inheritance. You can trade your inheritance. You can compromise your inheritance. In Genesis chapter 27, it's the story of Esau and Jacob, two brothers. Esau, the one that I'm focusing on this morning, he was a rugged guy. He was an outdoorsman. He loved to fish, hunt. He was a man's man. He was strong. He was, he was hairy, the Bible tells us. He had a beard, had a big appetite. And Esau had a lot of good traits, but I will say this as Esau, he also had a couple of deadly traits as well. In Hebrews 12, Verse, verse number 16 from the Passions Translation, I want to read this. It says, Be careful that no one among you lives in immorality, because becoming careless about God's blessing, like Esau, who traded away his birthright as the firstborn for a simple meal. So here in Hebrews chapter 12, it gives us a warning. 
a warning that we should we should hold on to our birthright and not trade it away as Esau did in the new king in, in the new in King James the Bible says uh, profane instead of immorality you find immorality here in verse 16 of the passion translation but it says profane and this is what profane means it says to treat something sacred with abuse or contempt and let me just make sure we we have this real deep in our spirits the blessings of God, the birthright that God has given us by us being children of the Most High God, they are indeed one of the greatest, most sacred things that can be passed down to us. Esau's problem was spiritual things were very low on his list of priorities. He lived only for the here and now. He had been out hunting all day, and he had come up empty. He came home, and Jacob, his brother, was cooking this big pot of stew, or maybe it was a big pot of chili, or maybe it was a whole pot of tamales. I, I'm not exactly sure, but whenever Esau entered into the house, it smelled good. His senses literally took over his whole body, and he goes to his younger brother, and he says, give me some of that chili, give me some of them tamales. Come on, brother, lay it on me. Jacob says, okay. You can have all you want. Probably made him really, really smile whenever his brother says, you can have all you want. But there's a catch. He says it's not free. It's going to cost you something. In Genesis 25, 31, this is what Jacob says to his brother Esau. He says, but Jacob said, first, sell me your birthright. If you want to eat this, it's going to cost you your birthright. The, the birthright was, was Esau's inheritance rights. It was worth a fortune, literally. It would affect his life. It would affect those lives of his descendants in a very profound way if he let go of his birthright. It was like literally the king of Eng England uh, abdicating the rights to the throne, literally stepping down and saying, I'm not going to be the king anymore. Thus, my descendants, they cannot ascend to the throne. Esau, Esau should have said, man, you're crazy, Jacob. I'm not going to sell my birthright. I'm not going to trade my birthright. I'm not going to compromise by my birthright. I'm going to keep a hold of what God, what what I have gotten through being born first. I'm keeping my birthright. But this is the crazy mistake that Esau made. He sold it. He did it. And he did it for a bowl of chili and a couple of tamales. Think about this for a minute. The Hope Diamond is one of the most famous jewels in the world. It weighs 45.52 carats. It's insured for $250 million. What Jacob did here in selling his birthright is like selling the Hope Diamond as a paperweight in a garage sale. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Let me say it again. Stupid, stupid, stupid. How could you do something so stupid? So why did he do it? Because you see, Esau's life was about instant gratification. He wanted gratification at that moment. He smelled the chili. He smelled the tamales. His inheritance 
just didn't seem as important as what it was that he wanted right at that moment. It happens to people all the time. They get into a situation and temptation is there and all of a sudden they begin to surrender all that God has given us to the pleasures of that specific moment. Let me read you a couple of stories. Karen Glantz, age 36, she traded her happiness and peace for 100000 plus yearly income. This is her quote. I was a workaholic, she says, a crazy, crazy woman. I was on the plane four times a week. I, was, I, I just wanted to get to the top. All of a sudden, I realized that I was reaching that goal, but I wasn't happy. Another case, a girl in her teens, her trade-off included her virginity for a chance to love, a chance at love and security. But she found that having premarital sex was the worst mistake I ever made. Someday I will marry someone and share something very special with him, but I will also have to tell him of my sickening experience. I dread that day. I have to tell the man I truly love that he is not the only one, though I wish that he was. You see, these are just two examples, but they're examples every day all over the world. Examples with others in drugs and alcohol and pornography, and the list just goes on and on and on. You see, the pot of chilies, the tamales, they might change form, but it's still just a cheap and careless decision that we make to trade our inheritance away. We should be careful and never let instant gratification wreck our spiritual future, wreck the spiritual future of our children. I can say this over and over this morning, but we got to get this. It's not worth it. It's a terrible trade. The scripture that I read you a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 12, I want to read you the very next scripture. It says, and we know that later on, when he, which is Esau, wanted to inherit his father's blessing, he was turned away, even though he begged for it with bitter tears, for it was too late then to repent. Esau came to his senses, but it's later down the line, and now he wants his inheritance, but it's too late. His father had already blessed his younger brother Jacob, and now the inheritance belonged to him. This morning, I, I pray that none of us find ourselves in that position to where we come to our senses and we find that we've traded away something so valuable, something so precious, not only to us, but those who are coming after us. Esau is a terrible example to follow, but the Bible gives us this, this uh, uh, positive example of a person who just absolutely would not surrender his inheritance for any price. His name is Naboth. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verses 1 to 3, I want to read this. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the, the, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, next to a palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke with Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. Or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth in money. 
But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my father, my fathers, to you. Ahab here is a type of Satan, and he's trying to get Naboth, a type of Christian, to give him or to give up his or hers inheritance in Jesus Christ. Because you see, man, woman, boy, girl, it makes no, no difference. We all have that thief who comes to us and he wants to take what God has rightfully given us. King Ahab wanted Naboth's land. He wanted it to plant a garden. But Naboth probably wouldn't have had any kind of uh, problems in letting King Ahab have his land, but for a couple of things. A couple of things stood in his way, and he refused to allow King Ahab to possess his land. The first, most specific thing that we see is God's command forbade Naboth of selling his land. In Leviticus 25, 23, it says, The land shall not be sold permanently, for the land is mine, for you are strangers and sojourners with me. Naboth could have said yes. He could have rationalized the sale like probably other people had had, and they had sold their lands to the king. But this is that place that you come to in any kind of negotiation, whether you're going to sell it, whether you're going to trade it, whether you're going to compromise it, you come to that place where Ahab is making this offer, and this is what it says, and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it. You see, oftentimes what the enemy brings to us is, is something that looks better perhaps than God's inheritance that he's passed down to us. And so whenever he makes it look better, we can immediately make a decision and, and trade for it because, oh, that's better than what God's given us. May I say this? There's nothing better than what God has given us. Nothing better. There's nothing that has more weight than what God has given us. And so Ahab says to Naboth, he says, hey, I'll give you a vineyard better than the one you have now. Or if you want, I'll just pay you cash money for it. We may think that other people are doing it, Hey, they're selling their land here, selling their land there. We can do it too. My, my admonition to all of us is this. No, we can't do it. We can't trade it. We can't sell it. We can't compro compromise it because we have been given a sacred trust. We've been given a trust by God. We, we have this duty not only to our ancestors being God, he's, he's, he's the one that's passing this down to us, but we also have a duty to our descendants. Over 500 years before, Joshua, or, or God through Joshua, had divided up the land to the people of Israel. Naboth's ancestors had received that plot of ground. And literally for generations, that land had been in the family. It had been transmitted through a long line to Naboth till it's finally in his hands, till it's finally in his possessions just like our faith has been passed down to us. And you may say, well, pa Pastor, I, I don't have people that are Christian in my, in my family. You may say, I don't have that kind of spiritual heritage. Because you see, I have four children. I've got grandchildren now, and I've I believe I'm passing down what God has faithfully put in my hands. But you're saying, maybe I don't have a Christian in my family. 
I, I will tell you this with a surety. Somewhere in your family tree, there was people who followed God. I look back at my own family and I think, well, there's not a whole lot of Christians there, but there were Christians in my family. I know I had a grandmother who prayed for me. I know I had a grandmother who gave me a Bible almost every year for my birthday, and she inscribed these notes in, in that Bible about how she wanted me to follow after Jesus as she was following him. Naboth's land was very much a spiritual inheritance from God. It was his duty to transmit that, to pass it down to those who came after him. You and I have this duty to pass down this amazing gospel, this amazing Pentecostal power to the next generation. We're only one generation from extinction, folks. This, this next generation, if, it does, if they don't follow God, there will be no God followers after, after they pass away. Others were faithful to trust and pass it down to us, and we must be faithful also. So if we're going to pass this that we have down, this that we have been trusted with to the next generation, we have to make up our minds to hold fast to that inheritance we got to make up our minds that this is not for sale. we got to make up our minds that it is not for trade, that it's not something that we are going to compromise with. It's the precious inheritance, the birthright that God has given us. Our inheritance is, is much, much more than a plot of ground. It's eternal life. It's the powers of the world to come. It's the Word of God. It's our personal revelation and experience with Jesus Christ. It's this amazing thing that God has put together called the church of Jesus Christ. And the list just goes on and on and on. But but this morning, I have to remind you that the devil comes to us as a thief to kill, to steal, and to destroy, and he wants us to sell it. He wants to barter for this. He wants to trade. He wants us to compromise it. So imagine this morning, if you would, for just a moment, if the devil were bartering with you for your soul. What would you say to him? What would be your reply? I'm praying this morning that your reply would be, no way, Jose, not for sale, not going to sell it. I'm not going to trade it. I'm not going to compromise it. I'm holding on to my birthright. But this morning, the devil's going to offer us something. He's not just going to come to us and, and, and he's just going to, he's going to take it from us. He's going, to, he's going to get us to willingly hand it over to him. And in order for him to do that, he's going to offer us something. You see, in the story of Esau and Jacob, he, he, that, instant, that instant gratification, that moment where he says, man, I, I, I see that pot of chili, I see those tamales as better than my birthright. The devil is bargaining with every one of us every day. He's trying to talk us out of all of our inheritance, part of our inheritance. He's trying to make a deal. He's trying to make a deal with us. Let me read you this. To legitimize, Dutch, to legitimize Dutch claims on New Amsterdam, Dutch Governor Peter Minuit formally purchased Manhattan Island from the local tribe from which it derives its name in 1626. So here's Manhattan Island, probably one of the most expensive plots of real estate in the world right now. And back in 1626, this guy named Peter Minuit 
He purchased this from the inhabitants of the island, which were the Manhattan Indians that lived there. These Manhattan Indians were approached by Peter Minuit, and he purchased the whole island in 1626. He exchanged literally a handful of trinkets. They were glass beads valued at about $24 today in our time. The Indians took $24 worth of beads and they said, the island is yours. They thought the beads were better than the island or they would have never traded. What's the devil trying to get you to give up today? What's he trying to get you to surrender? What's he, getting, what's he trying to get you to trade for? He's bargaining with you. There's no way that what he is offering us is better than what we have in Christ. In Christ. Is he trying to get you to give up your consecration, your dedication to the Lord? Is he trying to get you to surrender your, your morals? Is he trying to get you to crawl out under the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life just to step away from it and say, I'll be the Lord of my life. I no longer need Jesus. You see, he never stops to get, he, he never stops trying to get you and I to sell it, to trade it, to compromise it. He's trying to get people right now to give up their belief in a supernatural God. You see, there are people out there that believe that Jesus Christ does not do miracles any longer on this earth. He's not a God that heals. He's not a God that delivers. He's not a God that can intervene. You see, Satan is trying to tell you God doesn't do that anymore, or he won't do it for you, perhaps. Don't bother to lay hands on the sick because there, you shouldn't even be expecting a miracle. Um, a miracle. He's trying to get you and I to give up our confidence in heaven, to give up our expectation of the rapture. Folks, we ought to get up every morning believing that the rapture could happen today because if, it, if we would think that, that would change the way you and I live. He's trying to compromise, get us to compromise the truth about the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the speaking in tongues, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, so what do we do? He's, he's out there. The Bible says like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking whom he might get to trade, to compromise, to sell out on their birthright. So what do we do? This is it. We hold fast. We tell him, Satan, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. It's not for trade. It's not for compromise. I'm holding on to my birthright. Let me give you a few scriptures here. I'm going to read them very quickly. Romans chapter, uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 6. But Christ was faithful as the son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hopes, our hope firm until the end. We hold fast, it says there. In Hebrews 4.14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Hebrews 10.23, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Revelation 2.25, Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. Revelation 3.3, 3. 
Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly and turn to me again. Revelation 3.11, look, I am coming soon. Hold tightly to the little strength uh, that you have so that no one will take away your crown. The Bible tells us in all of these scriptures, hold fast, hold fast. Guard it. Be vigilant against anything that would try to take it from you. We've just got to step up and say, this isn't for sale. This isn't for trade. It's not for compromise. I'm holding on to our birthright. we got to hold on tight, folks, because every day the enemy is trying to pry our fingers loose from what is rightfully ours through being in Christ, being heirs of the Most High God. we got to hold on tight. we got to hold on tight. We cannot relinquish our grip. Let me read you a story. It's kind of unbelievable, but I think it proves the point this morning. This is on a commuter flight from Portland, Maine to Boston. Henry Dempsey, the pilot, heard an unusual noise near the rear of the small aircraft. He turned the controls over to his co-pilot and went back to check it out. As he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket and Dempsey was tossed against the rear door. He quickly discovered the source of the mysterious noise. The door had not been properly latched prior to takeoff and it, and it flew open. He was instantly sucked out of a jet. The co-pilot, seeing the red light that indicated an open door, radioed the nearest airport requesting permission to make an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane and requested a helicopter search of the area of, of, of that area of the ocean. After the plane landed, they found Henry Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft door. The pilot is hanging on to the ladder of the aircraft door. Somehow, he had caught the ladder and held on to it for 10 minutes as the plane flew 200 miles an hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. And then, at landing, kept his head from hitting the runway, which was a mere 12 inches away, as he was hanging upside down. This is the part we got to get. It took airport personnel several minutes to pry Dempsey's fingers from the ladder. That's holding on. He held on because his life depended on it. Our lives depend on whether or not we're going to hold on. And the lives of those that are coming after us, their lives depend on whether or not you and I hold on. And so this morning, hold tight. Don't let anything loosen your grip. It's not for sale. It's not for trade. It's not for compromise. I'm holding on to my birthright. Folks, this morning, you can go to church every day the church is open, and that doesn't mean that you're not going to go that you're going to go to heaven. You might miss heaven, even though you go to church every day. You can have Christian friends, you can have Christian parents, you can have Christian family, and still miss heaven. It won't be until you surrender your life to Jesus and you get born again that heaven will be yours. Maybe some of you this morning are saying, well, pastor, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I really have a spiritual inheritance. All the things that you've been talking about, this being in Christ, in Christ, this 
this birthright, this spiritual inheritance, it's not mine yet because I've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. I've never been born again like John chapter 3 tells us we must be born again. Jesus tells us what he expects of us. In Matthew 16, 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In John 6, 40, it says, And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus gives us these promises all through the Word of God. All we have to do is just come to him and say, Lord, forgive me, and, and Lord, make me your own. Give me a new chance with this life that you've given me. Give me the spiritual inheritance through my surrendering to your will. This morning, if you want to surrender your life to Jesus and become part of God's family, you can do it right where you're at. You don't have to be in a church. You don't have to come to an altar. You can do it right where you're at, right now, where you are. I pray you do that. I pray you make a decision to follow Jesus and become a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Have a life that is forgiven and a life that is now connected to the one who gives you his inheritance. To those of you that have already made a decision to follow Jesus. See, some 40 years ago, I became born again. Many of you that are listening this morning, you've made a decision to follow God. And for those of you that are born again this morning, you've had that John chapter 3 experience, I have a challenge for you. Because this message this morning is for those who have the birthright in your hands. It's yours because you are born again. I challenge you first to get all the inheritance you have coming to you. Pentecostal power, eternal life, this a supernatural God that promises this amazing Christian experience. Get all of what God has promised you. Don't leave anything in the table because God wants us to be partakers of all of the gifts that we have through Christ Jesus. Second, hold on to it. Get it all, number one. Second, hold on to it. Hold on to the promises with the tenacity of a bulldog. Stand your ground and commit yourself to defend the faith and pass it on to the next generation. They're depending on us. My grandkids and my great-grandkids, this church and the group of youth that are coming up after us, the kids that are in children's ministry, those that are in the nursery, they're depending on us to hold on so that this next generation has the chance to follow after our footsteps. When the enemy comes to make a deal, we got to say, no, I'm hanging on to this one. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not going to trade it. I'm not going to com compromise this in any way. This birthright is mine, and I'm holding on to it. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning, and we thank you for this amazing word. Father, I pray that something rises in every one of us this morning, Lord. I pray that what rises in us, oh God, is, is, is this, this wanting to have all that you have given us through the life of your son, Jesus Christ. 
to take advantage of the inheritance that is ours. All of those very great and very precious promises that are within the Word of God, they are ours because we are in Christ Jesus. I pray, Father, that something rises in us that says, it is, it is, it is time that I take a hold of my inheritance in its fullest. But Father, I pray also that something rises, Father, that this goes to the very core of who we are, Lord, that we make up our minds that this birthright that you have given us, we are passing it down to the next generation. We are passing it down to those that follow in our footsteps. And no matter what the enemy brings to us, no matter what kind of deal he may be trying to make with us, Lord, I pray that what rises in us is that this is not for sale. This is not for trade, Satan, and this is definitely not for compromise. I am holding on to the precious birthright that you have given us. Father, I pray this in the name of the one who is the strong son of God, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Hold on. Don't sell it. Don't trade it. Don't compromise it. In the name of Jesus, God bless you. Have an amazing week. Stay safe. Amen.